Welcome to the live preaching message from Loyalty House International, a denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to teach and to preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your patience. And we thank you for bearing with us even in our ignorance. We pray that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our comforter, our teacher, and our guide will continue to reveal you to us in all that we do and in every situation we find ourselves in that we may sing praise unto you with thanksgiving in our hearts thank you thank you in Jesus name Amen please be seated praise the Lord how are you doing with those of you writing exams? Some of us, we decided to free ourselves from this bondage of exams. As soon as I wrote the last one in 1993. <laughs> but every day is an exam for me. Every day is a test of the word of God for my life. Amen. I passed some of them. I failed some of them. This morning, I nearly failed one of them. When somebody was doing the wrong thing and he's expecting me to yield to his way. And I was trying to be stubborn, but then the Spirit spoke to me. And I, I just ignored him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we will continue on the subject of the Word of God. And it's great testimonies I'm hearing. You know, the Lord God is a provider. You see, when you read Psalm 68, if you have a Bible and you want to read a Bible, turn to Psalm 68. Because some people are in church, but they don't want to read the Bible. And they don't have one, and they don't mind. Do you get it? But you keep coming to church. God himself will work on your heart, and your attitude will change. Because, you see, God is postured to bless you. You see, his posture is to, to, to bless you. So out of that, he's patient with you. Do you get it? Because he knows that for most of the things you are ignorant. And therefore your actions is based on your ignorance. So he's patient till you begin to receive knowledge. Once you begin to receive knowledge about him, about his disposition towards you, nobody tells you to change. You change. Amen. 
So that's the beauty of the Lord. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge. And that is why he has not carried out whatever he promised to carry out. Psalm 68 verse 1 says, Let God arise and let his enemies. Do, do we want to read it together? Okay, so let's go. We, we are not only reading verse 1, we are just reading enough of the Bible. Okay? So let's go. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them that also. Verse 2. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melted for the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them that rejoice. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto the Lord. Sing praises. I think you can stop there. And our sister who gave that testimony. You see, your, the, your real father is God. It's not your biological father. <laughs> your real mother is God. It's not your biological mother. They are just channels by which he introduced you into the world. Yeah. But he's, still, he's fully in charge of you. You see, most of us get very devastated when we lose our parents. Because, you see, our parents are a symbol of love, a symbol of protection, a symbol of provision to us. So when you lose a parent, especially as a young person, it's not a nice thing. It's not a nice thing at all. It's not a, I mean, I don't pray it for my enemy. But over and above that, you see, the presence of your, or the absence of your parent doesn't make God take leave. Are you with me? And surely, he must have a purpose for allowing them to exit. He must have a purpose. There must be a reason. What purpose, I don't know. I wish I knew. I don't know. But there must be a reason. There must be a purpose. And so... But unfortunately, you see, because most of us have very little knowledge about God, and then our knowledge about God is also twisted. You get it? The little, we have little knowledge, and that little knowledge is very twisted. How is it twisted? It is twisted in that we think God is there to serve our interest and not the other way around. But I'm sorry to say that, I mean, how can you, do you get it, work for a hundred rand or a thousand rand and the thousand rand expect you to serve its interest. Who serves whose interest? The one that has been acquired or the one that has acquired? Who serves whose interest? Does the shoe you have bought, do you serve the interest of the shoe? Or the shoe serves your interest? So how can when it comes to God, then you want to change it? More, about 99.9% .9 of all Christians think that God is there to serve their interest. Mm. Uh, please, get it right. because If you don't get it right, that is where Satan will get you. And that is where you will miss out what God has prepared for your life. Listen, you, God doesn't serve your interest. You serve God's interest. But out of serving God's interest, you discover that his interest for your life is bigger than your interest for your own life. 
You see, you, you, want, some, you want your school fees paid. Do you get it? That, that, that's what you wish. And live in a nice house. But you see, God would pay your school fees, give you a nice house or houses, nice houses. Do you get it? But also give you his presence and his protection over your life. And anoint your words with power. That whatever you say, it happens. Uh, which one do you want? Your father or God? Because your, your father can anoint you with power for what you say to come to pass. Are you with me? Your father can just give you things, earthly things. And even that is very limited. Because what your father will give you, your siblings will fight with you over it. Oh, yes. But what God will give you, your siblings can fight with you over it. Because when he anoints you with his spirit, even your, your siblings will bow to you. And you will look after them and protect them well. And there will be peace and unity in your family. God knows how to do these things far better than any human being can do it. So ask me to choose between my biological father and God. I'll choose God. But you see, that's based on if you know God. If you don't know him, you will ask, who is this God? Who is this God that I can see when daddy is here that I can see? I mean, who is this God that when I send a WhatsApp, he doesn't respond? When daddy is there, when I send a WhatsApp, I can get transfer into my bank account. Immediate transfer. <laughs> Are you with me? But you see, when you know God, when you know God, not if, when you know him, because I'm trusting you will know him. You will discover that he's better than a thousand fathers. Hallelujah. So even when your biological father is gone, you are not afraid of what will happen to your life. You cry because you miss him. You, somebody that you relate with. But that is where it ends. But life continues for you because you know that the, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the provider, the director of life is still alive. Hallelujah. Anyway, so I just wanted to just read the scripture because of the testimony, how, what she said. And I said, well, God is a father. You see, if you read on, the psalmist is describing God. But one of the first descriptions of him in this psalm is that he's the father of the fatherless. Hallelujah. Great. So we can now continue our preaching for today. Today I want to continue on the subject of what I've started some weeks now. And you know, it's, it's, not, it's going to continue with different segments of it, but it's going to continue. Last week, in summary, I explained that the new life that we have in Jesus Christ is the new life that he gives to all who believes in him as a son of God who came to die for our sins and receives him as such. Amen. Now you want to say, why do I need a new life? I have a life. I have life. No. You see, you need a new life because the life that you have in God's eyes, in God's eyes is corrupted and is rejected by God and is destined for destruction. Yes. The, the life that you have before you have met Christ in God's eyes is corrupted and is destined for destruction and has nothing to do with his presence. This is what you need to understand. That life that you have before you have met Christ is a life that is governed and run by Satan and having the works of Satan in it. In the Bible, you see it called your old man, your old nature, your sinful nature, your carnal nature. It, the, the Bible calls it different names, but it's the one and one same thing. Now, that life has nothing to do with God, and God has rejected it. But the beauty and the love of God is that 
Having rejected what you have, he has offered you Christ so that you can have what he wants you to have. Your rejection of Christ is a deliberate rejection of the mercy of God. And therefore, on the day of judgment, when all souls will stand before him, you will be without excuse. It doesn't matter whether you believed it or, you know, you didn't know. and You were offered and you rejected it. So if there's anybody here that have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, better receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believe in him as the Son of God, that you may have the new life that comes from receiving him as such. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't be bothered about your old nature. The old nature, once you receive a new one, God has a way of dealing with the old nature. Because some of us, we want to clean ourselves up before we come for the new life. But how can you clean yourself when you are standing in the mud and expecting to be free of mud? I mean, you have to get out of the mud before you can clean the mud off you. But I don't know why, strangely, most people reject Christ because they feel that to accept Christ, I must get out of my old ways first. Are you with me? I must get out of my old ways first, stop the bad things before I can accept Jesus. If you could do it, you didn't need Jesus. <laughs> if, if you could do it, God would have just told you, just do it and come. It is because you couldn't do it. That's why he sent Jesus to you and to me. So why are you still trying to be over-righteous? You see, come. Come. You see, the, you see, the fact that you accept that you are dirty, the fact that you accept that there are things in you that is not right in the presence of God, in itself is an admission that you agree that you agree with God what he's saying about you. And he's happy for that, to, for you to agree. There's nothing nicer than having to correct somebody who agrees that they are wrong. I mean, if you deal with me and in the discussion I see that you have admitted that you are wrong, the matter is ended, no matter what you have done. The matter is ended. Whatever you have done, we'll try to solve it and see what, how we can salvage the situation. But once you say you are wrong, it's done. Once you admit that you are wrong, you will not go back next time happily going back, unless you're under another influence. It is when you don't admit that you are wrong, that increases the chances of repetition. Are, are you with me? So, last week I explained that we, we, we need to receive Jesus, and having received Jesus, he has given us a new life. And the condition for the new life, the condition for the new life is only one. I said the condition for the new life in Jesus Christ that we have received is only one. And that is that we should no longer live for ourselves, but live for Christ who died and was raised for us. Amen. Whatever it means to live for Christ is for our finding. I said whatever it means to live for Christ is for our finding so that we will do it. But that, that for sure, what we are not supposed to do, having received a new life in Christ Jesus, is to live for ourselves. Because living for yourself is the gate by which Satan gets to manage and to run your life. And sends you around in one frustration after the other. When you live for yourself, it is living for yourself, or it is wanting to live for yourself, that made Adam and Eve lose their home. They lost their relationship. They now have to, they lost their food. Because everything else was for them for free. 
They, when they went to work, they went to work for God. They went to look after what God has created and to manage. Nothing else. They were not working for their stomach. And the woman's heart was not after the man. Even though the woman was with the man, her heart was not after the man. Now, now, it's another story. Hallelujah. We are preaching. Am I preaching alone? We are, we are preaching together. Good. So, so, fight not to live for yourself. Fight not to live for yourself and to live for Jesus. Now, I went on the following weeks to talk about some of the challenges that will face anybody that will want to now live for Jesus, having previously lived for yourself. And I went on to explain that you need certain things to be present to be able to live for Jesus. One is to have faith and to believe in the invisible. Because as we are here, if Jesus were to walk in and we can all see him, most of us, our attitude would change. Our attention would be focused on him. But it will surprise you to know that he's here with us by his spirit. But because you can't see him, you, you have an attitude that makes you not to be sensitive to his presence with us. And many of us, unfortunately, live our lives not believing that what we see is not all that there is. And I've been emphasizing that aspect so much. Because even though we know it and it's practiced in different forms amongst us from where we are coming, when it comes to God, when I say the same thing, we seem not to believe it. Which of you here have seen one of your ancestors before? After they died. But there's always meat given to them. When you buy your car, they are asked to bless you, isn't it? When you get a new job, they do all those things. For, they are asked to do things for you. What, did you see them coming to do anything for you? Is that Tendo? Okay, I'll see you after. Do you get it? So, all these things, are we believe it. We practice it. Do you get it? Now, we, we believe and practice a lower version. In other words, all those things are true. They are spiritual forces that operate. But now, I'm telling you, and the Bible is telling us, there is an original and a true spiritual force, which is God himself. And Jesus, who is God with us, told us that God is a spirit. Yet Christians don't do things as if God is a spirit. But God will help us to do things. Amen. Amen. So I went on to explain that the, the challenge that we face or one of the things that will help us to live for Jesus is to believe in the invisible. Because it is believing in the invisible that will make us take decisions and do things that add that aspect to it, what we can't see. You see, for example, when somebody, when an older person or somebody who has been good to you and has looked after you for years of your life directed you, when the person says, don't do this, do this, or when the person says, no, I think you should do this. You must be very careful. You must be very careful to disobey the person. You must be very careful. Because, you see, all that is before you, the facts that you have, analysis and everything tells you go left. But there is a, another fact that you don't see, that you are not aware of, because of where you are and who you are. But that the person who has watched over you and guided you also cannot see, but being instructed by the Spirit is saying, go right. And you would discover that if you could see what you didn't see, you would have gone right. And I gave you the example of Elijah and his servant. No, Elisha. Elisha and his servant. 
how that the servant came. The servant has had eyes that could see, and therefore could see the chariots that are surrounded or that has surrounded them to capture them. Do you get it? But unfortunately, the eyes that the servant has could not see beyond what is visible. So he saw what was against them, but he didn't see what was for them. I think it would be a nice scripture to look at it again, isn't it? Because we are emphasizing that. Don't only see what you can see with your eyes, but the Lord helps to see what you cannot see with your natural eyes. And I can tell you that the instructions of God in the Bible are given to us not according to what can be seen with the natural eyes, but are given to us according to what cannot be seen with the natural eyes. If you evaluate God's commandment based on the natural eyes, you will always do the wrong thing. But if you evaluate it based on the fact that he must be God and must know what we don't know, you will always be found to do the right thing. The strength you don't have to obey the Bible and the word of God is because you have not, you have not thought of God as knowing all things and seeing what you cannot see, and knowing what you don't know. Have you ever had a friend, that the first time one of your parents saw the friend, their the reaction was, no, this is not a good friend. And you rejected it, and you fought it, and you fought, you argued, and everything, only to be proven that you are, you are a fool. Is there anybody here like that? Yeah. Yeah, and you're asking, ah, but mama... When did you see this one? This is the first time you are seeing this person. How can you form a conclusion over such a person? That once you have seen the, once you, you have seen the person, you are saying he's a bad friend. Because your mother and your father, or whoever it is that made the observation, can see what you cannot see. Just go back to the verse. This is 17, so either, is it 15? When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, what happened? There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. How did he see them? Did he feel them? He saw them with his eyes, isn't it? And, and is, is it, was he imagining? It was real. So he saw what was against them. I said he saw what was against them with his natural eyes. And by seeing what was against them with his natural eyes, he was, like most of us, he was ready to draw a conclusion that danger, we have to run. What will we do now? Cried. The young man cried unto Elisha. I told you that this thing, we should be careful. This serving of God thing, we should be careful. This going to church thing, this, this, this. You see now, we are having problems. Since we started going to church and left the ancestors, things are happening to our lives. Nothing is happening to your life. You are being protected. The ancestors have lost because now they don't have access to the real you. So they are targeting your things. Now, when you can't get access to the real person, you just do some distractions to distract and to make the person discouraged. Elisha said, don't be afraid. We have more on our side than theirs. The young man must, must have said in his mind, you are a fool. You are a fool. You think this is one of those your miracle working times. We are seeing clearly surrounded. You say we have more. Where, where is our more? Where is our more going to fit? Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. Ah, but I thought he saw what was against them with his eyes. So if it was going to be open, where was it going to be open? He said, open his eyes. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. 
May your spiritual eyes be open. Amen. That you see beyond what is visible to the naked eye. You see, like the lady said, somehow she had faith that it may be the 11th time, but this job is for you. And as you believe, it shall be unto you. Hallelujah. So he opened the eyes, let him see, and he see, he saw, and things were different. So we are praying, or we are, I'm talking about our ability to see beyond what our naked eye can see. And last week, I explained to you that the eyes, these natural eyes, that can see things. Do you know that as you grow, your eye can see things without your head looking in that direction? Like now, you can, your range of vision is, is beyond... Your, your, it's, it's wider. It's not a tunnel vision. It's an arc. So sometimes you'll be doing something and somebody will pass there. They think you didn't see them. But you've seen them long ago. Sometimes you are in a place, you are doing something, and a snake passes by, thinking you didn't see. But somehow, you saw it. You saw something moving. There's no camera that compares to the natural eye. There's whatever the natural eye sees, there's no camera that sees that. Yeah. So, we see in John chapter 3. So last week I was explaining to you, please go to John chapter 3. Last week I was explaining to you that a baby, when a baby is born, even though this eyes is meant to see far and wide, in a baby, the ability to see, though the baby has eyes, is not fully developed. So when, if the baby remains a baby, do you get it? They will not see many things that are obvious. Not because they didn't have what it takes to see things. But it's because what they have did also not develop. Are, are you here with me? To remain a baby and not to grow is to also limit your ability to see. You see, the baby when they are born, there's no addition from anywhere that to say, oh, you know now, now that the baby has come, let's send the other parts, the telescope part and the, the, the uh, photographic part so that we go and attach. No. When a baby is born, like you, there was no surgery. There was no engineering work done. The eyes you came with as a baby when you were born is the same eyes you have, except for a few people that have had surgery on their eyes. But most of us, we've not had surgery on our eyes. But what happened to us? The same as when we were one week old. We couldn't even see faces well. We couldn't see. We couldn't see many things. All of a sudden, as years have passed by, some of us can see things that nobody sees. So what happened to the eyes? What happened to the eyes? It's simply because we grew. How did we grow? Is there anybody here? You were feeding your eyes with milk and all those things. No. You ate the food into your stomach. But as your body grew, so also your eyes began to realize and to walk in its capabilities. Are you here with me? And in the same way, last week I pointed out that Jesus told Nicodemus, verse 1 said, there was a man, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these things except God be with you. Then Jesus responded, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see. In other words, 
by being born again, something happens to you that allows you or that gives you the ability to see the kingdom of God. And that same thing allows you, therefore, the ability in verse 5 to enter the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. The question is, most of us, when we are born again, we are like babies. We are like babies. Not that we are like babies. We are babies. We are spiritual babies. And you see, whatever is in the natural is a principle. We must grow. We must grow. By growing spiritually, whatever growth does to the natural eye of a baby, so also growth spiritually will do to your eyes. And the baby grows not by, by whatever it is. The baby grows by feeding. I said the baby grows by feeding. Feeding, not grass, but what is food for human beings. In the same way, there is also food for the spirit. I said there is also food for the spirit. That must be eaten by Christians. We must pay attention to what would develop and bring into full capacity or into full realization the capacity that is being given to us by accepting Jesus. And that capacity is to see the kingdom of God. You see, I, I quickly decided to look at the word that was translated to see. See. Now, in my Bible, and I hope you have a good Bible, the word translated to see is a Greek word. I don't, I'm not really intending to pronounce it. But it's something like, I do. I do. Do you get it? The word translated to see. The dictionary of my Bible gives me a bit more details. To see, one. You see, the word translated is the same, or the word, the Greek word that is translated see has not only one meaning. One is to see. The second one is to know. And they carry the same meaning. Because Elisha's servant went the prayer was made and his eyes was open. He got to know that they are protected. I said, by what he saw, he got to know that they are protected and that they are not alone and that they are not outnumbered and that God is with them. Hallelujah. To see, when you, when you read the meaning or you go to the meaning of to see, it also means to perceive with your eyes. It also means to perceive Notice, discern, discover. It also means to turn the eyes, the mind, the attention to anything. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? You see, some of you, you need to be prayed for. You sit in church, I'm teaching you, and then you are easily distracted. It's demons that are distracting you. Lay hands on the person sitting by you and say, Cast, tell the demon, Satan, leave my friend alone. <laughs> Father, we bind and cast out every demonic presence that is hindering anybody from receiving that which is theirs in Jesus' name. Do you realize that some of you, you can't sit? It's like, as the teaching is going, there's, there's this edge, get up and go, get up, go and do this. So sometimes, you, you, you but I'm coming to that message. I'm coming to that. I'm, it's, it's one of the points. I'll come there. Let me not preach it before I get there. You see, so I'm trying to explain to you what it means to see. God, we are reading. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you can't see. 
So in other words, unless you are born again, you can't see, you can't also know. And to see means that you, you, you turn your eyes, the mind, the attention to anything. So in other words, unless you are born again, your mind, your attention will not be turned to the kingdom of God. It means to also observe, to inspect, to examine, to look at, to experience any state or condition. When it comes to to know, it also to know of anything. To know, that is to get knowledge of, to understand of any fact, the force and the meaning of something which has definite meaning. To know how to be skilled in, to have regard for one, cherish, pay attention. This, this is a simple word to see, but it means so many things. And what Jesus is saying that, you see, you, you, are, you are a Pharisee, you are in a synagogue, you are in church, but unless you are born again, you will not see and you will not know what you need to see. You will not see what you need to see, you will not know what you need to know. And you will not pay attention to what you must pay attention to. You see, it is being born again that awakens you to the realities of heaven. And Satan has tried as much as possible to make us, even though we are born again, to blind us about heaven. Even though everything is about heaven. May God help us. Amen. I said, may God help us. Amen. So Jesus said, we need to see. Now, if, if we just simply, for simplicity's sake, being born again, the Bible tells us that our, it is our spirit that is born again. It is our spirit. Our flesh is the same. Our soul, our mind is the same. Nothing changes, but it is our spirit that is reborn. Now, if it is our spirit, that is our eyes. Because Paul also explains it. You know, sometimes you may not know something, but somebody who is deep into the thing may have learned it and may know. So when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you see, what I'm saying to you, I'm not saying anything that is out of the Bible. By being born again, something happens to you that will give you an ability to see what was, what was invisible to you before. And that will give you an ability to enter a place that you could never have entered. And I'll, you see, unless you grow, unless you grow, you will not see all that there is to see. And you will not know all that there is to know. See, some of you are working very complex marks. But some years ago, one plus one, you didn't know. Can you imagine, can you imagine that there was a time when one plus one had to be taught to you about hundred times? Can you imagine? Huh? That you went for extra classes just for two, one, two, 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 four, two, three, six. You went for extra classes just to add, just to do sums. I mean, there was a time you, who is doing calculus, you are doing integration, differentiation, and to the same you, couldn't do 63 times 7. Hey! Even now you can No, no, let me, let me show you. Listen, those of you who struggle with figures, always, you see, when you, have, when you have figures, 
always break them into parts. Once you can handle one to ten, you can handle any figure if you break them into parts. Because 60, 63 is 60. So times 7, just multiply 60 by 7. You know how to do 6, 7, 42. So it's 420. Then 7, 7, 3, 21. So it's 441. Just break. And it, like, there's nothing complex in this life. If you can break them into small parts, you can do anything. There's nothing complex in this life. It looks complex because you don't know how to break them into simple parts. If you can handle one to ten, you can handle anything. Verse nine. Let's go, let's go. This is what the scripture means when they say, No high has seen or hear hear heard what and no man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So how do we know? But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. To know is to see. To see is to know, isn't it? Wonderful. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these spiritual truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. You see, the verse 14 explains to us why we must invest to develop that which has been given to us to see and to know things about God and his kingdom. You see, through the eyes, the natural eyes, by your natural eyes growing to its full capacity, you are able to acquire a lot of information. And to understand many things. In the same way, whatever has been given to you when you receive Jesus. What? I'm saying whatever. I know what it is, but I'm saying whatever. Just in case for argument, somebody wants to argue. Because Jesus said, unless you are born again, you can't see. So what it means is that when you get born again, something happens to you that gives you the ability to see. Something happens to you that gives you the ability to enter. Are you again? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. That thing must be worked on to the fullest. And I'm saying that a lot of us come under challenges. Because, you see, you live for something when you know what it is and what it has for you. Most of us live for things that we think we know what it is, but we don't know what it is. But, but the reason why we live for them is because we think we know what it is. But we are deceived, and what we think it is is not it. But otherwise, you don't live for what you don't know. So to live for Jesus, there are things you must know about Jesus to help you to live for him. Are you with me? The point, that's the point I'm making. You see, we have heard that so that those who have received the newness of life from Jesus should no longer live for themselves, but live for Jesus who died and rose for them. Powerful. But how do we do it? What are the challenges that we face? And so I'm taking my time to explain to you that 
To, to live for Jesus is not the difficulty. The challenges is what we must overcome. And the challenges are real. But you see, when we analyze it carefully, it also gives us which way to go to overcome what is trying to overcome us. And it, this, it prevents us from neglecting what has been given to help us. Because God would never, one of the things I need to say to you, God will never ask you something to do that you don't have the capacity to do or he has not given you the capacity to do. He never does that. God never does that. He never does that. Whatever God will ask you to do, I promise you, there is help that he has supplied somewhere. Oh, yes, yes. That one, you must believe it. Whatever challenge you face in your Christian walk, look carefully. Don't believe that God has abandoned you. He never abandons his own. No, no, he never abandons his own. God never, you see, don't think for a moment that God has asked you to live for Christ without giving you what you, what you need to live for Christ. Because he is aware where you are and knows that everything is against you. And therefore, he will not ask you to walk in a place where all the enemies are against you without the help that you need to make you walk. Otherwise, it will make him an unjust God. It's like asking a man to make a baby. I mean, to carry a pregnancy when he has not given him a womb. No, he will never do that. So don't tell me he did that. There may be a problem, but don't tell me it's God. He doesn't do that. Hallelujah. So Paul is telling us that the things that are from God can be received. You know, give us the King James. The King James says it. It says it well. This one is normal English, so it doesn't stand out. It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he do them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see and know with your, whatever God has given you to see and to know. And to live for Jesus, you have to develop what has been given you. Now, one of the things that develops what has been given you I'm just giving you this one, and I'll finish. It's prayer. It's prayer. I said it's prayer. I said it's prayer. I said it's prayer. I said it's prayer. Yeah. Prayer will develop your spirit. I said prayer will develop your spirit. Prayer will develop your spirit. You are born as a human being, and you develop as a human being. By fellowshipping and communicating with human beings. You don't develop as a human being by communicating with animals. Yes. Yes. Is there anybody here you develop as a human being by, by living with animals? Yeah. You see, prayer is basically an interaction of your spirit with the spirit of God. It will grow you. It will build you up. Jude 20. Jude 20. Are you here with me? Are you here with me or you want to go home so that I can... Because where I've, where I've arrived, I can leave it here and say prayer. And that's, they said we must pray, that's all. But ye, beloved, doing what? Doing what? By doing what? Oh. I thought eating in the Holy Ghost. You can also say eating in the Holy Ghost. Whatever it is. Yeah. Build yourselves up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Pastor, how? how? How do you build yourself by praying? How does prayer develop you? You see, it is only recently as science has developed that has made us understand how when you eat pap, it becomes part of your body. But human beings have been eating. In the days of Christ, people were eating. But the science of the food interacting with the body was not known. But it didn't stop the food from making you grow. Hello, hello. Are you here with me? The point I'm trying to say is that that we don't understand doesn't mean it won't work. And that it doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't work. Up until recently, and some of you, you don't even know the chemistry of digestion and how, but you, are, you eat. You don't have to know how it works for it to affect you and to make you grow. You see, because I just felt somebody was about to argue with me. So I have answered your question before you have brought forth your question. Yeah. This is what the Bible says. See, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That is why Holy Spirit baptism is important. So that you can pray for a long time. Where, you see, because Paul said, if I pray in the Spirit, or I pray with thanks, my spirit prayeth. My understanding is unfruitful. First Corinthians, is it 14? Yeah. You see, Paul, this, this was written by somebody else. Paul, you see, what I've observed is that when I am speaking in tongues and praying, my spirit is praying. My spirit is praying. My spirit is interacting with the spirit of God. I, I don't understand. Shut up. You don't understand many things. You do it. Just do it. You are too stubborn. I said you are too stubborn. That's why you keep failing. Just do it. I said just do it. I mean some of you, you don't know the biochemistry of carbohydrates. I mean the, the, what you know what you know is that when I eat pap, I feel strong. Do you know Krebs cycle? Do you know Krebs cycle? You know Krebs cycle? You see, many of you seated here don't know Krebs cycle. But what you know is that when I eat pap, and I eat rice, and I eat potatoes, when I wake up, I feel strong. That's it. Whether it's Krebs cycle, whatever cycle it is, I don't care. All I want is give me my pap. Hallelujah. So how come when it comes to the things of God and your spirit, you want to say, you want to know before you can do it. It must be Satan who is giving you such an idea. 
He said, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. How be it? In the spirit, in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Ah, there's a verse that says that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Please look for that verse for me. It's around there. It's around there. Verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth. Edi- whatever it means to edify. Oh, okay, now you can give us in English. This English is too high. Come down to our English. A person who speaks in tongue is strengthened personally. But the one who speaks a word of prayer strengthens the entire congregation. But what he's saying that as you are praying in tanks, it may not benefit us. You are for two hours. We don't know what you are saying. But it's not about us. It's about you. That it doesn't benefit us. That when you eat your pap, it doesn't benefit me. But at least it benefits you. Because it's not my mouth that ate it. Your mouth is what ate it. And it, it must benefit you at least. Hallelujah. Can you see that all the things we don't want to do is hypocrisy? Because it's happening in other places and we don't question it. Now, why don't we pray? That's the question. Because, you see, praying will build our spirit up. It will make the equivalent of what eating does to our eyes that makes us able to see. Do you get it? Simple eating. Our eyes doesn't eat. But once we eat, the eyes begins to grow. It begins to see colors, to differentiate colors. It begins even to see things in different dimensions. The eye has been seen in 3D before we develop 3D. Are you with me? Yes. In the spirit, the same thing that being born again gives to us. By praying, we grow it. We develop it. By praying, we increase or we make it realize its full capacity. But you see, to pray, to pray, I ask you, why don't you pray? And you, you are quiet. The reason why you don't pray is because to pray, you have to overcome your flesh. You have to overcome your carnal nature. You see, when the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature, all things are passed away. It doesn't mean your old man is not there. It doesn't mean your flesh and your old way of thinking is not there. It's there. But what it means is that you, have a, you are a new creature now. You have a new spirit. And you need to constantly crucify the old man who is still alive. So every morning you have to kill it. And I promise you by, the, by two hours it's awake. So every day you have to be a butcher. Constantly butchering your own flesh. Your own carnal nature. 
before you can do what you need to do, because unless you understand this, you will know what to do. You say, you say the service was powerful. They showed us Bible verses why we must pray and what pain does to us. But you will still not be able to do it because the, you have to overcome the barrier of your nature, the flesh, the old nature. You have to overcome it. And the reason why you have to overcome it is that it never cooperates with God. Don't think for a moment that you came, your flesh will allow you to do things that will benefit your spirit. It will never allow you. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 or 17, it says, the flesh lasted against the spirit and the spirit the flesh. And the two are never in agreement. They are never in agreement. They are never in agreement. They will never be in agreement. Because they're different, they, they are managed by different camps. Your sinful nature is the preserve and the man is under the full management of Satan and his demonic forces. Using, using the benefits you will have as the bait. You see, Satan manages us by telling us the benefits we will have. The bait of Satan is whatever he's asking you to do, he will tell you it will be nice to you. It will benefit you. By so doing, he uses it to control you and will control you out of your blessings. Satan is not intended to bless you because he didn't create you. And when you are destroyed, he has lost nothing. I said, Satan has no intention of doing any good to you. Because he didn't create you. And when you are destroyed, he has lost nothing. But the person who created you will do everything to save you. And he's doing everything to save you. And that is God. You remember when Solomon prayed for wisdom and he was giving wisdom. One of the first tests he has to prove, that prove his wisdom, when he had to decide between two women. One, they had two children and one was dead. And now they were fighting over the one that was alive. And they were, the case was brought to him. And he said, bring me a soul. Let me just divide so that each of you will have half. The one whose baby is dead was happy. And said, yes, let's do it. But the one who was the owner of the baby, or who is the owner of the baby, said, no, no. Give it to her. Give it to her. I love what is mine. For God so loved the world. I said, for God so loved the world. Even though the world was evil, God still loved the world because it is his creation. Hallelujah. Look, no matter how evil Satan tells you you are, I tell you God loves you. God loves you. Reason, you are his works. Hallelujah. Yeah. So the Bible says, I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust. For the flesh lasted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things which you would. So, you see, the fight leads to not being able to do what you have to do. Please, can we read it in English? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intention. So listen, you have to believe it so that when you, you have to wake up to pray and your sinful nature says sleep small, you say shut up, shut up. You will never, when are you going to agree that we wake up to pray? I know you will never, you see sometimes eh, your sinful nature will, when he's telling you something contrary to what you want to do, it will be like, oh, you sleep small, I will allow you to do it later. We'll do it later. It's, it'll less sleep small. We'll wake up later. And you discover that later when you wake up, it now starts to bring up other things that you need to do. In the end, you never get to do what you plan to do. Unless you see the sinful nature as anti you, as anti your blessing, unless you see it like that, you will always agree with its negotiations. Oh yes, unless you see it like that, you will always agree with it. And wait a minute. You will never be able to pray unless you decide that I have decided to pray and whatever my flesh says, whatever my sinful nature says, I'm not going to listen to it. You see, the sinful nature stops the disciples from praying when they have to pray. Yeah. Matthew, I think Matthew 24 or 26. I think 26. Just read it before you put it up. It just said, watch and pray that you fall into, that you fall not into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, some years ago, almost about 20 something years ago, we were at a prayer meeting and somebody gave this prayer topic and used this verse that for the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Then the Holy Spirit said to me, how can something weak control you? It is not weak. It is not weak. Something that is telling you is taking you to a direction that you didn't want to go and you are saying it's weak. It's not weak. It's not weak. It didn't, you see, in its weakness is its strength. In its weakness is its strength to control you. Watch and pray that ye enter not into the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Is it weak? How can something that is weak control you? I say, how can something that is weak control you? And you discover that if you check the meaning of the word weak. It is not as weak as it means. It is, you discover that it's not weak. I've not checked it, but you can check it. The meaning is that what word was translated weak? It's not weak. How can something that is weak control you? When Peter, you know, you are with Jesus. You have been moving around. You have left all. You are following Jesus with miracles and everything. And yet, when it's time to pray, you choose to sleep. Ha, ha, ha. The flesh is strong. And what I'm saying to you is that unless you make up your mind that no matter what your flesh says, 
you will do what you have to do. You will never do what you need to do to grow in your spirit, to see what God has given you, the eyes, the spirit, to be able to see into that realm. So, you see, when you don't see into that realm, it will be difficult to live for Jesus. You see, if you don't see heaven and what awaits you in your spirit, you will, you will always be guided by what is happening around you. You will always be depressed. When an event is occurring, that should actually make you happy and should make you excited because things that by the occurrence of seemingly negative events, great things are happening in the spiritual realm in your favor. You'd rather be depressed. You see, Jesus could see beyond the natural. That is why when he was being crucified, the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, he could see the salvation, the deliverance, the help that is coming to what he loves. And he said, ah, the cross is nothing compared to the joy. But you can't say that. When, when you are gasping for air and you are thirsty and people that you have created are spitting on you and beating you, you can't say that is joy. It's only joy when you can see what will follow. The many happenings of your life can never be said it is joy, it is peace, it is happiness, and that is going to be a better life. It can never be, unless you can see beyond what is happening. But you can never see beyond what is happening unless your eyes are open. I say unless your eyes are open. Unless your eyes are open and you, you, you can see beyond what is happening. That is when you can say that all things work together for good. You can never say all things are working together for good when you are in pain. When you are in pain. I say when you are in pain and when you don't have money to buy even part. You can't say all things are working together for good when you don't know what to eat the next morning. How can all things work together for good? Unless you can see beyond not having money today and see the goodness of God ahead of you. But you have to pray. You have to pray. I said you have to pray. Your spirit must see. Your spirit must grow to know what God has prepared for you. It has to. And one of the things is through prayer. And is it a wonder that Satan has preoccupied you? Some of you, you can't even leave your cell phone. You can't leave your cell phone for anything. All the time, your cell phone has fallen into water because even in the toilet, in the bathroom, your cell phone is with you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is it not true? Is it not true? I said, is it not true? You can't even leave your cell phone. You are addicted to it. You are, you are not addicted to drugs, but you are addicted to the phone. You are not alone. I'm also part of it. And I'm fighting. I said, I'm fighting. It cannot be. Before cell phone, we had life. How come that all of a sudden now, we, it's like we can't do without a cell phone. When we wake up, the first thing we look for is cell phone. It is, you see, Satan is using all these things to prevent us from praying, from doing what we need to do. Sometimes I watch people, as they are in church and praise and worship is going on, then they are busy answering their phone. I say, who is calling you? What is calling you that cannot wait? Because some of you, your deliverance is in the praise and worship time. 
where the Spirit of the Lord will just fall upon you and break the yokes and the bondages that have kept your mind captive. But you have left to go and answer a cell phone. Some of you, when the preaching is going on, you are busy on Facebook. And it's like, what, what, what is there? What is there when knowledge and wisdom and power is coming? But you see, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. It's the flesh that you have. And unless you see your flesh as an enemy, you will never grow where you should grow. And you will never know what has been given to you to know. You see, Stephen, the Bible described him as a man that was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was grown in his spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was grown in his spirit. So at the time that he was being stoned, he didn't cry. How can you do this to me, God? Please look for it for me. Acts chapter 8. Look for it. He said, as the time that he was being crucified, he didn't cry. Why did you do this? I said I was serving you means why I look at the way I'm being stolen like a thief. What have I stolen? If I was living my peaceful life, all these things would not happen. No, 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 no. He didn't cry. He was able to bear his being stoned because he could see that the stoning is not the end, but the beginning of a better place. It's not the end. It's, it's when you feel that the event is bringing to an end your dreams. That's when you become dejected. That's when you become sad. That's when you become depressed. That's when all negative thoughts occur to you. But when you can see beyond what is happening, you interpret the occurrence well and appropriately. No, no, I'm talking about when he was being stoned. Acts chapter 8, 7, 755. Okay. When he was being stoned. When he was being stoned. But he, are you, are you seeing something that I'm seeing here? But he, but he, not empty. You see, being full of the Holy Ghost is, is equal to saying having a fully developed eyes. Having full knowledge. See, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. There are people clearly killing him didn't see the glory, but he saw because his eyes was open. And Jesus, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing. In other words, Whatever I have gone to preach for which I'm being killed is not in vain. It's not in vain. Because I can see the one I was talking about is real. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. If this killing, if this stoning is going to kill me, I can see where I'm going. I can see the one that I talked about. He's there. He's where he said he will be. He's there and he's real. He's real. But the people killing him will not see me. And then, what does he say? Please, let's read on. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Please, let's read. I just want to read. And cast out, cast him out of the city and stoned him 
and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul and the stone Stephen calling upon God you see you, he could call upon God whilst being stoned not because he was a superhuman being and didn't feel the pain of the stoning and didn't feel the mistreatment and didn't feel that God has abandoned him no, no but because he could see beyond what was happening. He could only see beyond what was happening because his eyes were open. Because his eyes were open. His spirit was developed. His spirit was not a baby. His spirit was in full fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And therefore, he could be shown things. He could be shown things and he could know things that nobody else knew. And saying, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's only possible when your spirit is developed. You may spend a lot of time to do your hair and to do your beautify your eyes, but it will do nothing for you if your spirit is not developed. Spend a lot of time praying. Your spirit will grow. It will know things and will begin to direct your life and you'll be a different person. Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Whatever, listen. Whatever you need to do. I'm not preaching so that you can say a powerful sermon. I'm preaching so that you can make definite plans to begin to pray. You need to put into your life practical strategies. You need to put into your life practical strategies that will make you pray. If you need the help of friends, we wake up, we pray. Some of you, there are three of you in the hostel. All plan to wake up at 4 a.m. to pray. Plan, go out. Instead of going out with boyfriends and doing other stupid things, go out and say, today we are going to pray with Coke and Fanta or whatever it is and some biscuits. We pray three hours. You come and take one bite. We pray, competition, whatever. At the end of the day, you see, come up, come up. Listen, listen, your flesh must be overcome. Your flesh must be overcome. I said, your flesh must be overcome. And whatever it will take, you must overcome your flesh. Because if you are waiting for your flesh to cooperate with you, your flesh will never cooperate with you. I said, your flesh will never cooperate with you. But the Holy Spirit is waiting to help you and to guide you. Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And that's why there are books there. Pray. Go to a camp. Pray. Spend time. Go to the park. Saturday morning. Whatever time. Spend time to pray to feed your spirit so that it will grow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But I, I believe God is helping us. I said, God is helping us. I'm not talking to you about the doctrine of a church. I'm talking about what God has given you and how you can make it well. Stephen's ability to, to, to see beyond what was happening made it nicer even his exiting and that's same in like manner you don't have to exit but you have to go through a trial you have to go through a difficulty to see the goodness of God on the other side your ability to see beyond where you are is what will keep you strong and faithful your ability to see beyond where you are is what will make you have the right conclusion so I want you to lift up your voice and begin to pray to God. Say, Father, help me. I have to overcome my flesh. And I would overcome my flesh in the name of Jesus. I would overcome my flesh. Whatever it is, I would overcome my flesh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. My flesh, I'll subdue it. By the power of the Holy Spirit and by wisdom, I'll overcome my flesh. I will see my flesh for what it is, an enemy within me. Oh, yes. I will stop worshiping my flesh and giving it on due attention. I will learn to fast. By your spirit. Oh, yes. I will learn to fast and subject my flesh. And oh yes, in the name of Jesus. Oh yes, help me, Jesus, to control my flesh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Spirit. We cry to God. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, help us by your spirit. Holy Spirit, our help. We need your help. 
thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, come to you on behalf of all of us that are here, that by your spirit you will strengthen us in our inner man, that we will call on you daily, that we will call on you hourly, that we will call on you every moment. As we pray in our spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank you that we shall grow and therefore shall know all things that belong to us. Therefore shall judge not according to what our eyes sees, but according to what is there beyond our eyes. We thank you Holy Spirit for today. It is not a just a sermon, but it's a revelation to guide us to see our flesh as the hindrance for our spiritual growth. Thank you that our flesh is overcome. Thank you that our flesh no longer governs us, but by our spirit we rule our flesh. We pray, building up ourselves in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is our lot. This is our portion. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We want to be like Stephen. That we see beyond what is happening. That we see the Savior, our Lord and Master Jesus, who has called us to live for him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. of forgiveness for our sins. Jesus, our peace with God. Today you are here and after what you have heard, you want to say, Pastor, I want to give you my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. I can't do anything for you, but God can. And God will 
do everything for you. But you need to accept his offer. And that is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to be able to see the kingdom of heaven. And I want to be able to enter. Lift up your right hand and let me pray with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Thank you, Jesus. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. I want to pray with you. You want to say, Pastor, I want to be born again. I want to be able to see the kingdom. And I want to be able to enter. By believing in Jesus Christ as a son of God. Lift up your right hand. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lift it up high. Don't be shy of anybody. Don't be shy of anything. You are doing nothing evil. You are doing everything good. For the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't hesitate. Don't, don't be bothered about who is looking at you. It's your life. It's your life. And it may be your last chance. I pray not, but it may be. Therefore, make the best of what you have right now by deciding to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. I surrender. shall be said, God has honored you and has given you a wisdom that is above your years. By the hand of God, taste the goodness 
of the living Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A treasure. A wonderful blessing. The Lord shall take you higher. You shall be a source of wonder among your peers because of what the Lord will do. I break every curse and every yoke of bondage that holds you bound. Oh yes. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You shall walk it. You shall be a living example of joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Thank you. You have won the victory. You have won. You have won. You have won the battle. You are a winner. You are declared by God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, congregation pray together. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, I stand before you receiving you as my God. I know I have been rebellious. But today I come to you with a changed mind to submit to you as my God. I believe in Jesus Christ as your son who came to die for my sins. He rose again on the third day seated at your right hand. By this prayer, Jesus, I receive you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit and let my life be a prosperous one. Thank you for this precious salvation. I can see and I know you love me. I will love you with all my heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe that you have been blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our website on loyaltyhousesouthafrica.org.